World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer. Okay, and I'm not gonna take credit for it, okay? I'm not gonna take credit for it. I don't know why. You know, we prayed, we prayed that prayer yesterday. By the way, we're going to pray it again today, Jonathan. So if you can, get that thing up at Liberty Action Network prayer, praying against the new world order. Um, I talked a little bit about that last night with Jeff, Jeff Klein. Uh, Jeff Klein had the church in the garage last night. We went, Michelle and I went up there and had a good, good time up there. And I, I, um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little bit of a, it's going to be a class today, okay? Maybe not so. Maybe not so. Mark Madden, good to see you there, buddy. I should. My wife says all the time, "How's Mark doing?" I pray you're doing well, Mark. And I just get, I get tied up, get busy. We care about you. Um, there's a lot of things we don't know. I realized it again last night up at Jeff's, and I'm not making that. I'm not. I'm not explaining that at all. I mean, I'm not making an excuse at all, and I'm not being critical at all. I'm talking about the guy that you're looking at right now. There's so much. I don't know. In regards to the Bible, all this stuff, uh, if you're anything like me, you spent your life going to church where somebody spoon-fed you what they wanted you to eat. Somebody give me an amen on that. You didn't get to pick the menu. Amen. You just showed up that morning, and whatever the chef decided he was going to feed y'all, you got to eat that. And he might even do a series of it. Today, we're going to do a series in Romans. And then he's going to read Romans. Maybe if maybe some of you might even have a Bible. Most of you today are working off of your phones. You can say amen. Going to church. Don't carry a Bible. Why would I carry a Bible? I got, I got, uh, I got it right here on my phone, right next to my, right, right next to my porn. But, but anyway, uh, there's some, I'm talking about me. The deeper I go, the less I know, the less I realize I know, right? And so some of these things that, you know, are, are what's the word I'm looking for? They seem boring and disinterested. Why would you want to talk about that? Are things that we really, really need to talk about. And as I've, as I've said in the past, uh, terminology is everything. It's everything. Communication is everything. And, you know, you listen to a football game and everybody's lined up and all of a sudden you hear the quarterback bounce. Hear the quarterback barking out signals, right? And he'll yell, red, 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 green, 22, 22, eight, green, blue. And he's saying something that the team understands. Now, hopefully the other team doesn't understand it because it's a code that they have, all right? And do, whether we want to admit it or not, denominations have certain codes. They have certain codes. And some denominations speak this language, and another denomination speaks that language. And that, I'm going to get into some of that this morning. But Michelle, who I love more than I just can't tell you how much I love my wife, she said to me again because uh, we were in a car together for about 45 minutes up 
45 minutes back. She says, you know, honey, you really do do the same thing over and over. <laughs> you really do say the same thing. <laughs> I said, I know, I know, I know I do, but it's, it's, it's at the heart. It is at the heart of it. And I'm, I'm doing my best to try to train, equip, and mobilize the saints for the work of the ministry. And I'm working on my newsletter for this month. And uh, that's really what, that's really, I've been trying to do that for 20 years. It ain't, but Pastor Saul didn't about me. It isn't about me. It's about me and that my name's on it. This show's about me and that it's Coach Dave Live, but it isn't about me. It's what I, what, what I, what I see Betty doing and what I see Randy doing and what I see Dave Allison doing and what I see Jeff Klein doing, what I see Jeff Nell doing, what I see people doing. That's what blesses my heart. I couldn't care whether I get to credit for it because I learned that in football too, that it's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who gets credit. <laughs> I don't care. Get it freaking done. <laughs> Protect those children. Will you? Come on, man. Come on. Right? Are you with me? But I think there's some nuts and bolts and stuff that we need to, Make sure we talk about it a little bit. And I want to try to dive into that a little bit this morning. I'm, look, I, I, I know you guys think I'm crazy. Stream of consciousness all over the place. I'm going to show you something here in a second. Uh, I, um, this, this is amazing. We're going to pray this morning. Did you guys see this? Uh, we started praying yesterday. This. Craig put it together. I think it was Craig that put it together on this uh COP 28 UA, in other words, climate change, new world order, you'll own, you'll own bugs and eat them and be happy or whatever it is they say. That's really where the devil's trying to take us. And we have to understand that's where the devil's trying to take us. Okay. That's where they are. And that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers, evil spirits in high places, stand up, push back, fight. To me, it's very, very clear. That's what the Bible, that's why my wife says, honey, you say the same thing every day. I do. <laughs> I say the same thing every day. <laughs> They're, they're, they're shooting at us. Come on, man. Come on. They're trying to steal our kids. Come on. Come on. Sorry. It is the same thing every day. But I saw something yesterday. Hey, Mickle, hey, it's, it's a quinky dink out there again, I'm sure. It's a quinky dink. Uh, did you guys see this? The Pope had to cancel his trip. Seems he's sick. It seems he's too sick to show up. Now, didn't we kind of pray against that? Didn't we kind of pray against that yesterday? Well, we're going to pray against it today. Right now, we're going to do it again. And we're going to do this every day for what? how many days is it? However many days it is, we're going to do it. So I'm going to ask us, some of you, raise your hand right now. Say, Coach, I'll pray a little bit of this prayer. Because we're going to have right now, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he's in the midst. And if we're two or three agree, it's done. Let's pull this kingdom down. Let's pull this kingdom down. Let's foil the plans of the enemy. Let's do that. How do we do that? Well, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. Well, let's let's engage in that spiritual battle. Well, how are we going to engage in that spiritual battle? Well, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high and lofty thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing in captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> right? Why are we doing it, church? Why, why are we doing it? Because for whatever reason, the church has become so self-centered, so, so self-focused. Jesus died for me. Oh, boy, I'm, I'm feeling it today. Feeling today. Uh, scroll down for me. Let's get to prayer. So, who let anybody raise their hand and say, Yeah, I'll pray? Folks, let's take this seriously. Because look, we are right now, as we get ready to pray this, 
we are joining with others. The power of unity, biblical unity. I'm going to start it, and then I'm going to hand it off to Betty. She, I saw her nod. She said, I'll read. And then somebody get ready to read after Betty. And be in an attitude of prayer as we do this. Would you? Would you? Hey, folks, we're at war. This is warfare. This is warfare. Heavenly Father, holy is your name. Thank you for your son, Jesus of Nazareth, whose shed blood has given us redemption. We honor you and love you, and we exalt your name above every name. For at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In Psalm 2, it states, why do the nations conspire? People plan or plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. But the one enthroned in heaven laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion my holy mountain. In other words, I'm in charge here, boys and girls. Relax, I'm in charge. Amen. So on November 30th, which is tomorrow till December 12th, 2023, the peoples and the kings of the earth will be meeting in Dubai, United Emirates. Emirates. In attendance will be Pope Francis. No, you won't scratch him off. I'm believing one of these other guys isn't going to be able to make it too. King Charles, Bill Gates, ones who, by their public record, distort, disavow, and claim not your sons, Jesus of Nazareth's rightful authority as King of kings and Lord of lords over all mankind and all creation. The assembly with others in Dubai to distort and deny the Holy Scriptures, an intent you have for humanity. Through man-made agendas, false narratives about who really controls the climate and who holds the world in his mighty hand. Betty, Psalm 95, 3 through 5 says what, Betty? For the Lord is a great God and a, Amen. Great, king, and a great king above all gods. Amen. In his hands are the depths of, his, of the earth and the, heights of, and the heights of the mountains are all his also. Amen. The sea is his. Yes. For he made it. He did. And his hands formed the dry land. Praise be the name of the Lord. Father, as your ecclesia prayed in unity over the COP27 agendas, which was held in Shama El Sheikh, Egypt, in November 2022, sewage backups took place, infra- infrastructures, problems, logistical disorganization, and at the finality of the conference, a lack of unified cohesion plan occurred. Yes, Lord, let confusion come in their camp, Lord. We, as your ecclesiastes, the following for COP28 this year. Do that this, you, Lord. Do this for us, Lord. That you bind and confuse the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Bind and confuse the principalities. Bind and confuse the authorities. Bind and confuse the cosmic powers over this present darkness who are coming against your anointed one and your ecclesia by using COP28 and other globalist power structures, United Nations, WHO, etc., to harm the people through a globalist one world agenda. 
Father, we ask you to assign your mighty forces over this conference to deter, deter, unravel, and bring confusion and blindness to those in authorities who have evil intent. Amen. Using false narratives in their leadership positions to implement. We ask, Father, you expose those in authority for who they are. Yes, Lord, do it. Father, we ask for a Holy Spirit outpouring amongst the people in the world that they will wake up to the new world order's evil's plan and rise up against them. We thank you, Father, in advance for being able to bring our requests to you and looking for your mighty hand to respond in the days ahead. We ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Amen, Betty. Hey, confess that, folks. Confess that all day. If you're just sitting around, got five minutes, and you're bored, pray that prayer. Those are arrows, baby. Those are arrows. Shoot those arrows at, at the enemy. Confound the enemy, Lord. Confound them. Confound them, Lord. Amen. 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 <clears throat> um, I want to start off with pull up. Uh, what the heck am I doing? We just did that. We just did that. <laughs> Jeff, pull up Fetter, Bill Fetter. It's right at the top, right after Jeff Klein there. You guys know who Bill Federer is. I, I just saw this little clip last night. I, uh, I consider Bill a, a dear friend. But I found this clip last night, and I said, this, the huddle needs to hear this. Huddle needs to hear this. Hey, folks, stuff's breaking, coming on, breaking down all around. You know, you, look, are you looking at me? Huh? The banks are about to fail. Are you looking at me? The banks are about to fail, folks. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that to scare you. I'm just telling you because it's part of the new world order, what they're trying to do. First of all, your dollar is no good. Right now, your dollar is no good. It's only valuable because somebody told you that they'll give you something for it. As soon as somebody says, I'm not going to give you anything for that. The paper dollar is no good. That's why gold, silver, precious metals, tangible things that you have are so important. And I was just, we're talking about my house being what I say it's worth or whatever it is. Well, a year from now, my house could be worth half that. It could be worth a third that. We don't know why. Because the economy is fake, phony, inflated, and designed to imprison us. Somebody amen that? Okay. You, you see what's going on, right? And I was asking just before we went into the show, I asked Glenn, <clears throat> who kind of dabbles in kind of his profession, really, to watch the markets and all that kind of stuff. I said, hey, Glenn, uh, well, what, what are they going to, when somebody comes to buy, and when the economy crashes and somebody comes to buy my house, what are they going to buy it with? You going to give me some of those, that monopoly money? You think I'm going to take that monopoly money? Well, then what are they going to pay? Oh, digital? Oh, they're going to pay me in digits, huh? Oh, okay, okay. I, that's what the bank is right now, isn't it? Digits. Folks, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. Trying to prepare you. If they lock your bank tomorrow, what happens to your money? And uh, my feeling is this. I don't know. I really don't know how to do it, what to do about it. I'm just saying to all of you, the less money you have in the bank, the better. Glenn, would you disagree with that? The less money you have in the bank, the better. Uh, not at all. Uh, you don't. You don't disagree with me. No, I don't. You don't disagree with me. I don't. So, so look, you could have a big pile of hundred-dollar bills stuck under your mattress if you want to. 
Nobody knows if six months from now, those $100 bills are going to be worth anything. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. If they tell you they do, they're, they're lying to you, right? So anyway, we need, to be, we need to prepare ourselves for this. But I want to encourage you because here's what Bill Federer said. And he said this about you, Donica. He said this about you, Glenn. He said this about you, Betty, and you, Myra. He said it about you, Jeff Nell. He said it about you, Paul. He said it about you, Bob Evans. He said it about you, Alice. He said it about you, Randy. What? Hmm. Listen to this. Go ahead. Guess what? We're still on this earth. We still have breath in our lungs. We still have feet that travel this world. You still can do those things you will be known for forever. It's like a basketball game and Jesus is the coach and you're on the bench and he comes over and he says, okay, your turn, get in the game. And you're like, but, but coach, they're playing really tough out there. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's your turn, get in the game. Like, coach, somebody just got knocked down. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. You're seven feet tall, they're four feet tall. You can do this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. Out of the 6,000 years of recorded human history, the good Lord decided for you to be alive right now. He's given you his word. He's given you his Holy Spirit. He's given it to you. This is your chance to shine and do those great things you'll be known for forever. God bless you. You have the ability right now to do those great things that you will be known for forever. That's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's pretty powerful. Say, Lord, what is it you'd have me to do? What is it, Lord, just point me. Point me and pull the trigger, Lord. I'll make myself available. I'll go. Uh, I'll, I'll go. You said go into all the world. Lord, you send me. You open the doors, I'll go. Folks, that has to be your attitude. That has to be your attitude. You've got to play your hardest and your best for the Lord. Not for your business. Not for your children. Not for your whatever. You're on the Lord's team. You've got to play your best for the Lord. And what's he say? Oh, they're going to hate you? We're going to hate you, man. Huh? Why? Because they hated me first, he said. Huh? Whoever's been telling you all this stuff that Jesus loves everybody, he said, they're, lying. they're lying to you, man. They're lying. Did God really say that? No, he didn't really say that. He didn't really. We have to live dangerously, man. We have to live dangerously. I want to, here's what I want to do today. <clears throat> some of you can tune out if you want to. I'm looking at my notes over here. <clears throat> I want to cover some things that I have to be uh, honest with you. I don't know. And I feel good if somebody would ask me about it, some terms. If I were to, if I were to offer somebody $20,000 right now, could you explain to me the difference between exegesis and hermeneutics. Hmm? No. Should we be able to? Yeah. If I ask you to explain for me, explain for me, just a second, John. John's all over. I love it, man. What if I said to you, uh, you ever heard of preterism? Anybody out there? Can anybody out there explain Preterism, which, by the way, is one of basically the three different philosophies of Christianity. Preterism, uh, dispensationalism, and uh, Armenianism. 
Let's be basically all theologies fall within those three things. You guys know what they are? You know what they are? And why not? Why not? Because I can promise you this where you go to church, you are learning the philosophy of the pastors. Nothing wrong with that. He believes in dispensationalism, he teaches it to you, he's the expert. But you don't know that right across the street is another expert in another church called a pastor, and he believes in Armenianism. And he's teaching Armenianism as truth to his people. And those pastors are right across the street from each other, both Christian churches, and they're teaching an entirely different philosophy. Did you guys know that? You know what they are? And then along come those preterists. Oh, man. Say, Coach, what's a preterist? I know. And here we are on the cutting edge, and we don't really, we don't even really know. And if you say, well, I don't believe in preterism, can you explain why you don't believe in it? See, the Bible says that you have to be ready always to give an answer. You got to, folks, we have to understand the other, the other philosophies. We have to understand those, or we're not going to be able to effectively engage the culture. Because many of us have a mixed theology. Time out. I'm not a theologian. I do have a PhD piled higher and deeper in educational, um, what is a minister, whatever the heck it is. I have a piled, piled higher and deeper degree. But I don't have a piled higher and deeper degree in theology. And if you were to come to my church, whatever that would mean, you would come to my church, and then I would teach you what I believed. And you would say, well, Coach Dave, right across the street, they don't believe that. I said, I know they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. And you guys all stay right in here, and I'll teach you the truth. Unfortunately, they're, they're believing lies over there. But you have to understand this. This is critical. These are, these are all theories. Nobody really knows. You know, I, I hammer it sometimes about talking about the, the rapture and all that kind of stuff. Do, do you know that nobody knows whether there's a rapture? You, don't, you, you know they call it the blessed hope. Blessed hope, meaning they hope it hope. <laughs> they hope there's one, right? Well, if there is a blessed hope, why doesn't why don't all the denominations agree with it? Because why? There are different ones. Different. So I'm going to, look, I'm not an expert on this, but I want to walk all of us through today. So some of the stuff you could kind of say, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. We cool with that? Everybody cool with that? This, this may not be, um, I mean, you got to do your own research. You got to do your own research. And I find myself, I, I find myself this. I don't know what I believe sometimes. I don't know. And I love to get in a discussion. Oh, uh, uh, don't get me. Don't get me going there. <laughs> don't get me. Okay, so pull up for me. Uh, pull up two A, because I'm going to throw some words at you that you may maybe have never heard. Okay, and I'm not going to I'm not going to go real deep on this. Do you, do you guys know what the words exegesis and hermeneutics mean? These are these are these are big words that they use in seminaries, uh, cemeteries. Big words, which mean certain things. And when I hear people say, uh, boy, well, I love talk, I love arguing hermeneutics. 
I'll just kind of brush it off because I don't, I don't know what hermeneutics are. You guys know what hermeneutics are? Well, hermeneutics is the field of study concerned with philosophy and science of interpretation. In other words, hermeneutics is taking a scripture and giving it an interpretation based on other biblical historical precedents, okay? That's hermeneutics. Exegesis, so what? Yeah, see, we don't even know these words, do they? They don't teach us this. Exegesis is the act of drawing out the meaning. In fact, you guys will hear me sometimes when Myra reads the scripture. I'll say, wait a minute, Myra, what was that word again? And then that word, and I'll say, hey, hey, Jonathan, go to Webster's and pull that word out. That's exegesis. That's taking the word and going to the deeper meaning of the word. Are you, you, you see where, get? are you with me? You understand the difference in those two things? So hermeneutics is a study of the word exegesis is a deeper explanation or interpretation of the word. Now, I'm not going to, not, not look. Yeah, Carl, religious jargon. I'm not going to go any deeper on this thing. But these are words that you're going to hear that you need to understand what they mean. So hermeneutics is what? Basically, nothing more than studying the meaning and philosophy of the word, whatever that would be. That's called Hermeneutics. Biblical hermeneutics is specifically, I'm sorry, John, go back up there again. Biblical hermeneutics is specifically concerned with the philosophy and science of interpreting the Bible. How do you interpret it? Line upon line, precept upon precept. How that's hermeneutics, okay? As you draw out how you how you take uh what you read in First Samuel and pull it out of what you read in First Corinthians and Bring those two things together. That's hermeneutics. Okay? But exegesis then gets into the deeper understanding of what the word is. And when the, when the Lord says, faith without works is dead, and you say, okay, well, what is faith? And then you begin to talk about faith and how faith, that would be called exegesis. And as Carl said, it's religious jargon. It's what keeps seminaries full. Because men are taught that they have to go to they have to go to a cemetery to be taught all this stuff. Cool, good. Uh, okay, so then let me let me dive into let me because look, all theory, all religious theory is a result of huh, hermeneutics and exegesis. All of it is, all of it. And one of the worst things that we do, I'm sorry if this is dry today, but some of you are going to enjoy this. I think. We take many things out of context. When you take things out of context, that screws up hermeneutics. And I can give you a classic example here. When they tell us in, in uh, the Olivet Discourse, I think, is that where it is? When Jesus says, this generation shall not pass away till all those things be fulfilled. The very important question that we have to ask ourselves in that scripture. Anybody know where that would be? And this generation shall not pass away to all these. Is that Matthew, Matthew? chapter 24? Thank you. Where is it, Dale? Matt, Matthew what? Yeah, it would be Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And, and that's where you get to this, the, the, the hermeneutics, I guess you could say, of the interpretation of the person, right? That's How right. How he reads it. That's right. That's ex right, right? 
And he, he, so he goes down and reads about, it. we all know about this, right? And they shall deliver you and be afflicted, shall kill you. And you now, we could do a, a deep study on what does it mean, delivered up, be afflicted, kill you. We could do a deep study what that means. We could go, right, and false prophets are going to come, yada, yada, yada. But this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled, it says. Where is it? Do I know where that is? And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. So hang on. Here's where exegesis and hermeneutics get involved with something called, dare I say it? Dare I say it? Where did I put it? It is called, Coach, what did you do? Eschatology. Which is what? The study of end times. That's called eschatology. Eschatology is often misunderstood by the vital subject in biblical studies. What is eschatology? Eschatology is a study of the end times. Okay? I'm going to come back there. So, Jonathan, go back to Matthew. So then when I'm going to do an exegesis or I'm going to do a hermeneutic, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all of the world as a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Man, if we were to do a proper exegesis, then we would ask ourselves, what's the gospel of the kingdom? What does it mean to be preached? What does it mean to all the world? What does it mean as a witness? What Then shall the end come. What does the end mean? Are you, do, you see, do, you, do you understand this? You understand how this works, right? And so when it says down here that this generation shall pass away, where is that? Gospel of the kingdom, and this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. I don't think we have it up there. I'm not, I'm not blaming you, John. It's in a different scripture, I think. And this generation shall not pass away till all those things be fulfilled. What's the what's the deep uh, what's the deep deep exegesis phrase there? What's the deep phrase? There it is. Thank you, Johnny. What is the deep phrase? The deep word that we need to exegesis to get an understanding of the scripture. What is that deep word? Does anybody know what that deep word is? Filled. How about this one? This generation. Am I like this generation? If I'm talking to a group of people in a room and I say, this group, my football team, right? My football team, we're in a room, we're getting ready to go out to play, and I say, this team will be remembered forever. What team am I talking about? This team. I'm not talking about the team in 2023. I'm talking about the team that's in the room, right? So this is exegesis. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So here's a question that we would ask in a good Bible discussion, hermeneutics, exegesis. What did they mean by this generation? This generation. Jesus is standing there speaking to him, and he says, this generation. Is he talking about the generation in 1948? Or is he talking about the guys he's talking to? If I was going to talk about the generation in 1948, wouldn't I call it that generation? If I'm talking to my team... I'm not calling him that team, this team, this team. So this is, I'm, I'm not trying to do anything theologically. I'm not trying to take you anywhere. I'm trying to show you how the game is played. You with me? Verse three, coach, tells us his audience. Verse three. 
Here's his audience. Go to verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Ava. The disciples came unto him privately, and Jesus, saying, Tell us what shall be the thing, what shall the things be, and what shall be the sign of the coming of the end of the world. So Jesus tells them, this group of men, he tells them, and then he says, This generation. This generation. In other words, I'm talking to y'all. But we have futurized. I'm not look, I'm not, I'm not taking a position here. We have futurized this generation. We said he wasn't, he wasn't talking to this generation. He's talking to the generation that sees these things. That's what, that's what he was saying. That's what, that's, okay, you with me? With me? So I'm, look, look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you how we get into these messes that we find ourselves in theologically. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to explain, okay? So uh, let me take you one more thing, and I'm going to open it up because I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Go to number three. <clears throat> Go to number three. What is dispensationalism? We've heard that word. I was raised Catholic. I never heard that word. In fact, are there any other Catholics out there? Maybe you can help me. Do, do, do Catholics even have a position on end-time theology? Do Catholics believe, like Christians, do Catholics believe in a rapture, a soon-coming rapture? Do, do, I mean, I, look, I'm not making fun of Catholics. I'm talking again, theology, hermeneutics, exegesis. What's the official position of the Catholic Church? Do they believe in a second coming of Jesus and splitting the eastern sky and a rat? I don't think they do. Never heard about it any time I was in the church. Well, okay. nobody knows. They don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Glenn. Good point. I remember. Okay, so stay, so stay with me again. Look, I because I'm a I'm a uh, end time spiritual mutt. I don't know. But I can read and I can think, and I have always right. right. So dispensationalism is a way of ordering things, an administration, a system, or a management. In theology, a dispensation is a divine period of time. Each dispensation is divinely appointed. Dispensationalism is a theological system that recognizes these ages ordained by God to order the affairs of the world. Dispensationalism has two primary distinctives. Number one, a consistently literal interpretation of the scripture, especially Bible prophecy. And number two, a view of the uniqueness of Israel as separate from the church and God's program. Classical dispensationalism identifies seven dispensations in God's plan for humanity. Okay, so I'm not going to go any farther in this because I'm not trying to cloud your mind. I'm just trying to get you to see exegesis, hermeneutics, how this all came together. And dispensationalism believes that we are in, teaches that we are in the end times. I'll put this in the chat. You can read it on yourself. Some of this stuff, you're going to have to do your own research, right? They believe that we are dispensationalism teaches that we are in the end times and that the focus of the end times is the Holy Land and what's going to happen in the Holy Land, in the nation of Israel. And a lot of people call that Zionism. Okay? Now, millions, millions of Christians follow dispensationalism. Okay? I'm just going to leave it at that. You can, you can read up on dispensationalism. But dispensationalism believes it was done by uh, John Darby, uh, uh, the end time theology, the left behind series, all that stuff is dispensationalism. Okay, it's a it's a spiritual philosophy. It's it's and by the way, 
people who are dispensationalists believe it to the very end, dude. <laughs> you ain't, uh, that is the gospel because they found that in the scripture through hermeneutics and exegesis. Good? Okay. Now, you counter that with what's called, well, pull up Calvinism, John. It's right there beside it's right beside it. What is Calvinism? Well, Calvinism, John Calvin was a guy who came along and he created a doctrine which has ended up becoming, I'm just brushing over because I'm not a, not a theologian, which is basically the root of dispensationalism. That's called Calvinism. And at the heart of Calvinism is dispensationalism. I'm sorry if I need a chalkboard. <laughs> Hopefully some of you are writing it down and some of you will do your own research on this. This is this, these are the great divisions in Christianity. Okay. Do your own research. And and you're gonna anybody, any I th- I think a, and it has two I could, I could do a lot of things. But anybody who believes in an end time rapture, uh return of the people to Israel, they are for the most part Calvinists or dispensations. Okay? I'm not out here to argue whether they're right or whether they're wrong. This is what it's about. And then it is countered by another set of beliefs called Arminianism. John, pull that up there. What is Arminianism? What? You mean not everybody believes the same thing? Did you find it, John? What's the difference between Arminianism and Calvinism? Because I'm promising you, wherever you grew up in church or wherever you go, they believe one or the other of these things. Probably there's this great schism in Christianity that we don't believe the same stuff. That's why they won't worship together. That's why there's so much disunity. You ever hear, uh, uh, hang on a minute. Are there uh, Muslim denominations? I mean, are there, are there different Islamic denominations? Islamic separatists? Absolutely, coach. All right, all right. So what's the difference between Armenian? Well, whether it's, us who chooses up for ourselves to be saved, Armenians believe that God chooses. That you have no, you have no power to come to the gospel unless the Lord chooses you. That's called that's that's at the heart of Armenianism. The heart of it. That really you've been selected from the eons of time to make it into the kingdom. I'm, I'm not going to get into the depth of it, okay? But the these these are two counter philosophies, religious philosophies, Armenianism and Calvinism. Scroll down there just a little bit, Johnny. There might be something there. Little Armenian and Cal- but, uh, Armenian Calvinism are two prominent views that are often compared and contrasted because of the similarities and differences. These two views talk about God's grace and salvation, but are somehow different in their schools of thought. How do you get saved? What does it mean to be saved? Our understanding Arme- I'm not going to read all this to you. Calvinism and Armenianism are actually reforms of Christianity that rose around the 16th and 17th century. John Calvin and his followers developed Calvinism. Armenianism was a response to Calvinism during the 17th century. And it was a liberal theological movement that opposed the Calvinist theology of predestination. Jacob Arminius, that's why they have Armenianism, was one of the most prominent proponents of this movement. The followers believe that God's sovereignty and man's freedom are in agreement. That's Armenianism. You may, you may not even know which one you are. 
but one of these is probably at the heart of the theology where you go to church. And can I tell you something? We're arguing over this because nobody really knows. Cool? And then I'm going to throw the other one in. Pull, pull up. Uh, folks, you're going to have to do your own study. I can't, I can't do this in 20 minutes. Pull up preterism number five. Preterism. What's the view of the end time? What's preterist thinks? According to preterism, all prophecy in the Bible is really history. It's already happened. Uh, Gary DeMar wrote a book, uh, End Times Madness. And he takes on Armenianism and, and dispensationalism and says, dudes, it's already happened. It's already happened. The term preterism comes from the Latin praetor, meaning past. Thus, preterism is the view that the biblical prophecies concerning the end times have already been fulfilled. Preterism is directly opposed to futurism, which sees the end time prophecies as still waiting to happen. So preterism says what happened in 70 AD when, when Israel fell, boom, when it fell, preterism says that was the fulfillment of Scripture. That's basically what preterism says. It already happened. The preterist movement essentially teaches that all the end-time prophecies of the New Testament were already fulfilled in A.D. 70 when the Romans attacked and destroyed Jerusalem. Preterism teaches that that every event normally associated with the end times, Christ's second coming, the tribulation, the resurrection, the the final judgment, has already happened. That's what preterism teaches and believes. I know many preterists. I know many of them. Preterism teaches that the law was fulfilled in A.D. 70, and God's covenant with Israel was ended. The new heavens and the new earth, spoken of in Revelation 21, is, to the preterist, a description of the world under the new covenant. Just as a Christian has made a new creation, so the world under the new covenant is a new new earth. This aspect of preterism can easily lead to a belief in replacement theology. Okay, now I'm not going to go any deeper than that. But I want you to understand, we have to understand what it is we're dealing with in Christianity. Those are basically the three main theological beliefs that you have in Christianity. Now, by futurism, preterists usually point to a passage in the Olivet Discourse to bolster their argument. After Jesus described some of the end-time happenings, he said, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away till all these things have happened. The preterist takes this to mean that everything Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24 has already occurred including the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D., was therefore a judgment day. There's a lot of problems with preterism. By the way, folks, there's a lot of problems with all of them, okay? A lot of problems with all of them. So eschatology, down here at the bottom, is a complex subject. And the Bible's use of apocalyptic imagery to relate many prophecies has led to a variety of interpretations of what the end times are all about. There's room for some disagreement with Christianity regarding these things. However, Full preterism has some serious flaws in that it denies the physical reality of Christ's second coming and downplays the dreadful nature of the tribulation by restricting that event to the fall of Jerusalem. Okay, boom. 
Now, that was a quick run through. That's a quick run through. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm in, I got a little bit of all of them in me. I got a little bit of all of these in me. But the prominent one probably today in America is probably dispensationalism, probably because of the Left Behind series, the Left Behind movie, and that most people are eschatology. And that's why at the heart of Christian eschatology is Israel. And that's why some people are nuts crazy over Israel and Jerusalem, because their theology is dispensational. Okay, Lauren, come on in. Somebody help me out here. I tried to give you an overview of it, okay? You have to decide which one's the truth. And I can tell you this, your pastor believes one of those things. Go ahead, Lorianne. I'm sorry. Okay. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, the scripture verse 2 Timothy 2.15. In the New King James Version, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we're supposed to dive in and study. You're supposed mm-hmm. to dive in. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a cemetery person. Okay. You know, from seminary and I'm a chick. So I just throw things way out there and I'm, you know, and I have the athlete's mindset. I, in a, in a soldier's mindset, I'm, I mix things up pretty hard. And Calvinists with Calvinism is to clear one thing up. Calvinists are the ones who believe that in predestination and um, that you're already chosen and it can go some pretty hard. It can take some pretty hard turns there. I'm a combination of most of them because I was raised Catholic. And then I was influenced by um, Randy Clark from the Toronto movement and all these other different things. And that's where you get Bill Hybels, Calvary Chapel. I'll come out of that. They have somewhat of an Arminianist mindset where you, you have a choice that you invite Jesus into your heart and, all these different doctrines. Armenianism, what, folks, Armenianism teaches that your salvation, you were pre-selected. That's what Armenianism is. No, that's no, Calvinism. Calvinism. Calvinism does. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Calvinism does. Go ahead. Yeah, because it says that, you know, because the disciples were chose, he loved you first. Armenians believe that you have a choice in your salvation. Like, yeah. you're the one who chooses God. And then they'll argue back with a Calvinist will say, well, None can say, you know, that they were chosen because you're going to boast about your own salvation. You know, that you're the one who chose it. You're the one who did it. You love God. You, you know, it's all about you, not instead of all about Jesus. You know, so, but this is my thing. When you dive in and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and I don't care if you've been to seminary or not, okay? A seminary students need to be able to to be able to agree to disagree. And this is a platform coach that you've given us a place where we can talk about these things. And you're bringing about these things no matter where you land in your theology. It's at the end of the day, it's coming. It's coming. We're learning. We're growing. The Holy Spirit is speaking things to us, you know, that that we need to know and you're, you know, and you're coaching us on it. The Holy spirit is leading you. Right. And the wisdom of heaven is what we need to lean into. But when you dive into the word of God and you do one word study and you go into it and you find out the root root of that word. And I just learned about the word tikva in the Hebrew. And that's, and that's, um, and, and my brain is going super fast and I can't name the scripture verses where that word is where I'm diving into because of a paper that I'm writing, 
but that word tikva means hope in the new, it, it means hope and there's and, and that's the other word for hope in um you know in the old testament and so i'm learning and that's a three chord strand which goes back into ecclesiastes you know and then it goes oh wow ecclesiastes i have to dive into that three chord strand that's not easily broken how does that find it? how does that tie into the new testament how does that f- tie into jesus's where the ropes were on the cross where how does this all go and it leads you on this word study where you get to know who a little bit more about who god is a little bit more of what you believe and why you believe it because you're taking ownership of walking out your own salvation with fear and trembling Amen. before Amen. a holy God. Because when you share false doctrine about God, at the end of the day, you're lying and you're gossiping and slandering him. Okay. So, also, needs- uh, uh, Lauren, so also, that was just my thought. Okay. Listen, the okay. Bible says, I've, I've used this many times, foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Nobody knows for sure the end times. Why do we focus on this so much? I'm 71 years old. I don't know how much longer I have here. I think I ought to work while the sun shines because the day comes when I'm not going to be able to work. And like I sit here right now and say to you guys, what's money going to be in 10 years? And nobody knows. We don't know. We have theories. I can give you a theory of what money is going to be in 10 years. But I can do something now, as Bill Federer just said to us, I can do something now that might impact the future. But see, if you believe the future is already pre-written history, then you're not going to do anything. To me, that's the problem that we have. Most of Christianity has believes the Bible is pre-written history and there isn't anything we can do to impact it. I believe that's what we're being taught and I believe that's wrong. Dale, come on in. Hallelujah, Coach. And, you know, I, I think at the end of it, as a pastor, uh, been in and out of three different types of Bible colleges, you know, and, and so at the end of the day, it's this respect because Paul writes it and he says, for this is a mystery. Right. This is a guess what? It is a mystery. And that respects. So the Arminianism is not a dispensationalism. Calvinism and Arminianism are one thing. Eschatology, I would say the opposite of what dispensationalism is. It's called covenant theology. Yeah. You know, that that's the big difference between the two. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, coach, I got people to believe, you know what? They they all use scripture for their belief of what they believe. And I believe that I've, I've sat with Flip Benham, right? Who we both respect. I've sat with Rusty Thomas and Jason Storms. I've sat with you and I've always said this one thing. And and I say this humbly, including myself, that at the end of it, brother, we're going to realize we all have some holes in our eschatology. (laughs) And so I respect this. I respect this because the, the, watch this. Let me use this. Hey coach, listen, I talked, I talked with my church. They absolutely loved having you. So oh, we're gonna have you. We're gonna have you back soon. Oh, cool. The word now. The word is soon. When is that? When is that? Right? Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? And yeah. so now we begin to develop. What is the word? When is that, Coach? Yeah. When is that? Gotcha. Gotcha. Huh? This generation soon, right? But we are gonna have you back. <laughs> right. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Hey, folks. This is what makes it look. See, they have they have so. Bur- my opinion. <laughs> When I'm coaching a football game, I don't know whether I'm going to win or lose. I know the end's coming. I don't know if we're going to be ahead or we're going to be behind. And we've spent at least the last 60 years of American Christian history trying to decide the score at the end of the game and what plays are going to be run at the end of the game when the old coach of me said, I don't care what the score is at the end of the game. If you block that guy and you tackle that guy, we're going to come out okay at the end. 
That's, that's my philosophy. But we have taken eschatology and hermeneutics and made it all about studying the future and ignoring what we can do right now. That's what Bill Federer was saying. Now, I think that applies to every one of us. I could get in my Amen. car right now, pull out of my driveway, and somebody come up over that hill and escort me into eternity. I got no control of what's ahead of me, right? I only have control of what I'm presently doing. And I think that the eschatology debate has taken our eye off of the prize. And the prize is expanding the kingdom of God here and now. And quit. Brother, you better get saved. You know, Jesus is returning. Folks, I'm telling you, that don't work. That don't work. That don't work. Myra. Yes, coach. Thank you. In regard to the last days. Um, I'm Perilous times shall come. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, without natural affection, having a form of godliness, denying the power there from such men turn away. And that's not a description of the end times. That's explaining the heart of man unrestrained by the Holy Spirit. Know this also, in the last days, men are going to walk away from the gospel and they're going to be lovers of their own selves. They're going to be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Doesn't have anything to do with the end times. It shows you the nature of man without Christ. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach. Thank you. Um, So in regard to the last days, it is written, Colossians 3, 23 to 25. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Hallelujah. There's only respect of persons inside the church. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Boom. Uh, oh, there's a lot of respect to persons in the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that big tither, he gets himself a good seat, doesn't he? Huh? He gets on the elder board. That guy gets, oh, yeah, those are respect of persons. Oh, yeah. Who gets up on the platform? Huh? His little old Billy Bob, a little nobody. Does he get up on the platform? Oh, no, 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 no. Only the very religious get the seats, right? That's what the Lord hates. Remember we talked about that the other day? The, the uh, Nicolaitans? The Lord hates it, folks. And it's everywhere we look in Christianity. We create Christian idols, fleshly Christian idols. We, You may have a specific preacher that you like, and you may listen to him every day, and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you something. He, His breath stinks. It does. He has B.O. He passes gas. He's a human being. We get in trouble when we start following men. We're warned about that many times. That's why for me, I get really, really uncomfortable here sometimes when people, not on purpose, put me on a, a whatever you put it on. Say, oh, you got to listen to Coach Day. See it? No. 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 Yeah, I, I know who I am. I know what I am. No. It's okay to appreciate the gift. That's okay to appreciate the gift, but it ain't me. <laughs> you follow me, 
Woo, we're both going to end up in a ditch. Isn't that, what, isn't that what it says? So be careful, man. Be careful. Brett, come on in. Hey, Coach, we follow you because you guide us to the Lord. Try we to don't worship you, Coach. We worship Amen. our Heavenly Father found in the Bible, and you're the only one or few courageous enough to lead people to him. Amen. I'm, I'm courageous enough to talk about these things that divide us. And until we don't, until we get a good understanding of the things that divide us, we're never going to be able to come together. We, guys, folks, just look around. Look, look how the devil is totally, his entire game plan is divide. Black, white, rich, poor, young, old, Democrat, Republican, conservative. Divide, 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 divide. And the same thing's going on in the church. Going on in the church. Dividing over things that we don't really know whether they're true or not. Or doesn't matter. And somebody said, I can't remember who it was, told me one time, say, Coach, there's some things in the Bible that you're not going to know. Maybe the Lord doesn't want us to. Uh, boom. There it is. And we're always trying to figure it out. Always. That's why Paul said it is a mystery. It <laughs> it's is. A mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Boom. Mystery. Look, if I was a preterist, let's say I was a preterist. In other words, believed that at 70 AD, everything was fulfilled. I believed all of it. And... I get hit out driving my car and it kills me. My theology don't matter one way or another. <laughs> what are you going to do with Jesus, right? What I believed, well, won't be, it won't be worth the paper it's written on. The reality, when I stand before the Lord and give an account for every deed I've ever done and know that my life is under his blood, all that other stuff isn't going to matter. Why do we fight and argue over it now? Why? Why do we let these things? See, I can I can sit. I'm not going to name names. I can sit in a circle right now with a preterist and Armenianism and a, a dispensationalist and worship the Lord together with them. Why have we allowed this to divide us? Why would? <clears throat> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Don't egg me on. I'm not going to say it. It'll start. It'll start another fight. Uh, go on, Judah. <clears throat> Coach, you uh, you're identifying a lot of things that uh, remind me of my upbringing and uh, understanding who Billy Graham and uh, those crusades were after, but the, the idolism that uh, people make somebody higher than uh, they ought to be. You know, uh, I always ask these questions. Is in New York City in uh, 2020, why was the U.S. comfort in New York Harbor Bay? Why was Billy Graham's tent the only one allowed to be uh, on the block of Hillary Clinton's building? Hmm. You know, these, these are questions that people, as they come to research, you have to do your homework. People have to understand why is... Uh, Billy Graham's commercial is the only ones on Fox News. You know, what are you donating to? Are we donating to a, a walled kingdom of uh, his glory, or are we giving it up to the Father in terms of uh, uh, you know, the Almighty? You know, people are looking to uh, earthly palms instead of, uh, you know what, understanding that uh, 
God is much bigger than these uh, idols that uh, the yep. 33rd degree wants to put in place. Amen. <laughs> there's, so much, there's so much to know, man. There's so much to know. I don't know about you. I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what I'm trying to do. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to believe something just because somebody told me. And I always take it through this filter. What can I do about it? And if I can't do anything about it, why am I going to worry about it? We get a lot more peace if we understand that, folks. Some of my best friends are dispensationalists. Some of my best friends are preterists. And some of my best friends are Armenians. We're all heading to the same place, man, serving the same king, chasing after the same crown. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid, for they do engender strife. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Amen.